Kyle Widrick here with the Creator Series. We have Rich Antonello. Thank you, Rich, for being thanks, here. Thanks for touching me. I appreciate that. <laughs> Rich is the CEO of a joint venture between Verizon and Hearst called Complex Networks. Previously, he was running Complex Media, which sold for a reported $300 million this mm, past year. I can't comment on that. Reported. It's a very, it's a very, we, we had a very nice exit and a very nice amount of dollars that came in to continue to build our business. We've been consistently profitable since 2010. Basically, if you think about it, like the, the we decided to not just build a gigantic audience-driven business. We decided to build a brand, which a lot of people who decide to build brands um, basically do like large-scale audience plays and blow profitability off. And then there's people who grow businesses but that don't have brands, right? So that they they're not very flexible. We decided that you have to do both. You have to build a brand that is also a business and a business that is also a brand. And by doing that, you're holding yourself accountable to basically self-funding all of your initiatives. So you better be able to have an audience that is portable and then multiple monetization revenue lines that are, that are correlated to it. And you consider each of your separate properties their own brand? We, we are a multi it's a multi-brand play yep. that is aggregated together across the board. That is a big, that's foundationally part of our business. The whole philosophy is, um, you know, we're looking to dominate youth culture, right? And if you think about previously, 20 years ago, MTV as a music brand dominated youth culture as a singular brand. That will never happen again because everybody talks about you have to go find the consumer. You have to talk to them where they are, how they are. You have to, like, you have, to have appropriate content in for, the, for each platform. Well, my viewpoint is take that a step further. You have to think about it, if you're going to have a super deep connection with consumers, you absolutely fundamentally need to start from a vertical interest point basis and have the most authentic and credible content within that. And if you have that against all of their, uh, all of youth culture's new interest points, right? So whether it's gaming or hip hop or sneakers um, or anything as generic as even sports and sports lifestyle. The bottom line is, is you have to go from the vertical interest point, make it relevant on a horizontal basis, and ideally, if you're able to aggregate and put together all of the different vertical interest points, um, you can cross-pollinate, and you can also walk into an advertiser and say, look at the scale that I have. It's literally coming from the, the deepest connection possible with the consumer, and you're, you're getting all the scale that you would get with the big guys, but you're getting the deepest connection possible as well. Talking about going deep, you went deep early on in video. Very big on video. Leader in video. That's right. Did you make that decision early, or how did that happen? <clears throat> we were actually a little late on the decision, to be honest with you. We just played the biggest game of catch-up that you've ever seen. Um, uh, it, no, it's true. I mean, literally, because of our financial discipline, um, you know, video used to be very expensive. Um, and you look, know, we broke even in 2010, like I was saying before. So if you think about like uh, how expensive video was in 2010 and how bad the monetization was, and also people are not paying for content yet, digital content at a large scale basis, um, we were testing very small. And then in 2012, um, we got very aggressive into video. But you think like YouTube was already, I, w I don't want to call it a mature platform because it's still maturing. But um, we really had very little scale on YouTube at that point. We, we really, all of our video scale happened on our own platform. And video by nature is distributed. So 
we tried, we were like, okay, what are we going to do? What's the white space in the marketplace? What do we dominate? Uh, and how can we own a conversation? So in 2000, the end of 2012, we launched Complex News, which basically is, again, um, it's a little bit of an homage to MTV News, which kind of like fell off completely. Um, <clears throat> sorry. We launched Complex News, and, and by launching Complex News, we exploded out of nowhere. Really, in, within one year, we went from literally like 4 million views to 95 million views. Wow. That was 2012. That was, that was the end of 2012. We wanted to basically be the purveyor and, and give the most important opinion about what is going on in pop culture and help define that. And nobody was really doing that. And what, what we really did is find this amazing niche, and that just exploded for us. And that was the foundation of video for us. Take us back, because I know the story a bit, but Mark Echo's your partner. Yep. You have Complex Media. This is back in <clears throat> 2000. Well, it's a, it's a really long story. Complex Magazine, yeah. which, we, which we launched with first, and it was literally just a magazine. Print magazine. A print magazine, which was, right, a print magazine. You have to specify that now. It was a great concept. It was all about organizing subcultures. What I found brilliant about the concept of that, um, even though the execution of the magazine originally was pretty poor, um, I found very exciting is I love the, it was the concentric circles coming together. And again, like that all sounds done now when we all talk about the way the world has changed, but previous to that, nobody had really, people had not realized that the, the subcultures used to be on the peripheral of the influence, and then the mass was in the middle. And now, uh, by the time 2005, 2006 rolled around and the beginning of social networks really exploding, the, the, the subcultures and the peripheral had moved to the middle and the top of that pyramid. And the only way to be relevant to the masses is to own that part of the conversation. It's almost like trickle-down influence, right, instead of trickle-down e economics. So I go to my partners uh, at the time, Mark and Seth, uh, Seth Gersberg and Mark Echo, and I'm like, uh, at the end of 2006 when we broke even, I'm like, good news, bad news. Good news is we broke even, way faster than the plan was. The bad news is I'm not going to start paying you back. I, I, my equity in this was sweat equity. They put capital in. Uh, we're not going to start paying you back. We were projected to make a couple million bucks uh, in 2007, but I'm like, I need every penny to launch into digital aggressively. And if you think about what the marketplace looked like in 06, 07, it was portals, ironically, AOL and Yahoo, right? And then... On the other side, you had kind of, for lack of a better terminology, shitbag ad networks, right? That just didn't make any sense, that were out there scale, no uh, exclusivity, no real value proposition. So we had ad networks and we had portals, right? Yeah. So if you think about I, like the, the opportunity, in my viewpoint, was the internet really was is an on-demand thing, right? So it's, if you really think about it, it's on-demand, yeah. right? Because you go and you get to search for what you want, you get to consume it how you want, um, and it's and it's an amazing thing. So, I didn't understand like how a portal w is an on-demand service because it's everything to everybody. It doesn't make didn't make any sense to me. And these ad networks were really um, advertising vehicles that business plans that were reverse engineered for scale. They didn't take the consumer in the depth of the conversation that people were having. It was all about uniques and reach and reach and reach. So my viewpoint is look. We had this magazine about all these subcultures. If you think about all the, the sections in the magazine, there were sneakers, and it was music, and it was gaming, and it was fashion and style. And I'm like, we can go and organize all of the best in class sites uh, that are 
that represented each of those. Not the biggest, yeah. not the biggest, not just numbers, oh, but who was writing the best content yeah. that was that were, were forcing the conversation, that were starting the conversations that meant everything to youth culture. So if you think about it, complex.com was the physical and theoretical manifestation of all of those different verticals. Right? So we launched and then amazingly social networks happened. People talk I think they, they they actually don't really fundamentally understand how social networks work. They are not. We'll pause for a second. You were out live with the portal online before social networks existed. We were out. We were out. Not just, a, just right. so people understand. Yeah. So before uh, Facebook, this that's, is before. That's right. The proliferation of that. The proliferation of, of right, right. I mean, this was like the um, like before even the height of MySpace. So. This, and it wasn't really a portal, what we really were was a collective. I don't even want to call it a network, even though we called ourselves an ad network. Collective of leading voices. A collective of leading voices Different verticals. Of, of, the, of key related verticals that were all about the interest points that were the most influential, differentiated interest points. Not, we didn't have sports at the time, it wasn't, we didn't do lowest common denominator stuff. You saw that, that was the beginning, by the way, of the, of the deterioration of print. And it was also the, the beginning of the deterioration of viewership of sports programming. So we're like kids, like the younger kids, watching less football, less baseball, right? And you're like, okay, well, what are they doing? Well, they're doing these different interest points, right? We had launched. We were starting to really like we exploded out of nowhere. I mean, the digital portion just it was the right thing at the right time. And then you saw the proliferation of social networks come really come about. And if you really think about social networks. I think it's really important to understand something. Most people think it's like a whole bunch of verticalized communities. Um, and it is, but if you think about what really, from a media perspective, what the opportunity is for brands, if you really think about what the opportunity of social networks is, fundamentally, it's, it's verticalized content that cuts across communities. Like, so if you think about like, even like the ALS challenge, or anything that's, any, a meme, a GIF, things that like cut across and like, dominate the conversation. It's not the communities, it's the verticalized content that cuts across those communities. That th That's the magic of social networks. This is how your brain works, obviously, but do you, do you map this out and say this talks to this, this is vertical, this is horizontal? Yeah, how, do you, how do you one that? 100%, like, that's a, that's a great question. I think about it like, um, like, a, like a dock, right? The deeper you drive a piling into the ground, yeah. into the water, the further you can go out without the dock tipping in the water. So the more verticals and credibility you have, the more horizontal you can go without losing your credibility. It's a balance, right? So there's the juxtaposition there. But even within like the verticalized pieces of content, you have to think about if we do um, a hip-hop story, or we do a sneaker story, the, the, that juxtaposition needs to happen down at that level. If we do um, a story about why uh, Air Jordans were the first lifestyle sneaker, that crossed over from sports to lifestyle and defined the sneaker community. That needs to be told so my mom can read it, okay. right? So we need to be the definitive resource. You can't just be an echo chamber. I think we've learned that lesson actually in the election, right? Yeah. Like, if you take a vertical voice, if you take a vertical topic, you have to be, make it horizontal by nature from an expertise perspective without losing that authenticity and credibility. If you take a horizontal topic, you want to take a vertical viewpoint on it and from an angle perspective, yeah. right? So. That happens at the like article or video level, yeah. and that, that also needs to mirror itself from 45,000 feet the way all of it comes together as a business as well.
Uh, if we fast forward, you sold recently this past year. Yep. Uh, easy hard process, tough process. Did it come together quickly? I know that Hearst was a partner of yours previously. We actually solidified everything in January of this year of 16. Um, so they they were very interested. We had started talking to Neeraj um, and Steve very early, um, about two years beforehand. There was a lot of interest in our business. Um, and not just because of the profitability of the business, but more so because of the very differentiated viewpoint that we had. Um, and now when Verizon started getting very active in the marketplace from a media perspective, uh, and then right before our offer, Hearst and Verizon got together uh, to form a joint venture, uh, which created an opportunity. Um, and they found, and I don't want to speak for them, but I think they found us uh, very attractive and decided to make an aggressive move, uh, which worked out exceptionally fantastic for us because, you know, a lot of times people talk about um, being sold as an exit. I don't look at it as an exit. In fact, if anything, I look at it like it's an entrance, right? Like, because we're going to a company, um, that, two companies that we have resources, assets, leverage points that can accelerate our business. Complex networks that you're now running. Yep. Is a JV between Hearst and Verizon. Correct. Uh, within that lives the old legacy complex media. 100%. Has your lens changed as to what that scope looks like within this new vehicle? Uh, we closed our deal in, J in July of this year. Um, and then in September, we rolled together um, two other vehicles that had been launched in March and April of, of, of 2016. So Seriously and Rated Red had been launched. Seriously is a vertical comedy play. Um, and um, uh, Rated Red is uh, an interest point driven red state play in the same philosophy, excuse me, as Complex always had, which is verticalized interest points. So whether it's ATVing, hunting, fishing, and so on and so forth, it's very related from, uh, from an approach perspective and dominating each of those vertical conversations and providing it to an audience that nobody else is catering to. So very similar. Like, the, the, the parallels are amazing, actually. Go back to the beginning, like we talked about, there's never going to be another NTV. There's going to be, it's going to be a multi-brand approach. So, if we're going to dominate youth culture, we need to dominate all of youth culture. So how do you do that? You need multiple verticals that are all of the interest points. Complex alone did not service everything. We would dominate the coasts and maybe, like, urban areas and cities. But we needed other, other things. And, like, by bringing in Rated Red, it fills out the middle of the country and the south. And then, you know, what the beautiful part is, is with the edge and the acerbic new school nature of, of seriously, it's a layer of humor that can cut across all of that, right? So it kind of fits very nicely in from a strategic perspective. I don't think the press does a good job of calling shit on media people, media CEOs, that they constantly talk about what they're going to do, and nobody ever goes back and calls shit on them and proves out. The one thing Complex has always done, Complex and myself and any representative that we've ever had, We've talked about what we've already accomplished. So I think there's a little bit of an ire that comes from that, like that I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon or something. Proof of the results. Right. It's like we talk about what we have done. Others talk about what they're going to do and never actually do accomplish. But I think I do think I'm misunderstood. I think, um, I think anybody who does know me or has, or has worked with me, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a softy. If you're outspoken, people tend to jump to certain conclusions. We're very aggressive, and I tend to be very aggressive by nature. Look, there's there's always a perception when you're very aggressive in the marketplace that like people read it just for what it is on its face value. Sure. I think um, 
I'm not saying there's a difference between uh, I'm very aggressive by nature and that's part of my thought process, but how you go about uh, expressing that to your staff and your team is, uh, is very different. That aggressive, that passion, uh, is that the trait? When you look at how you've been able to be successful yeah. and what drives you, you know, what has been the catalyst for that? Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like, I think um, everybody asks, you know, like, uh, how do you describe yourself? For me, I'm all heart, right? Like, heart's everything. And it's kind of, I, I, the way I think about it is this way. Heart, uh, instead, of, instead of using a whole bunch of descriptors, is, is this culmination of ridiculous ambition, right? Because you have this big passion, like you want to go out there and like, I'm all heart, right? Like, but I want to go for it. But it's, it's you want to go for it with a ton of respect and empathy. That to me is like, I, the way I look at it is I'm a little raw, right? And I am, I'm a raw guy. I, I tend to be exceptionally emotional. So it's like, it's all heart. You know, growing up, um, you know, my dad was a UPS guy, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My father was like, listen, um, I kill myself, I break my back, literally, he was the delivery guy, right? Not management or anything. And his viewpoint is, there's no way that you're gonna do this for a living. Um, so to say my dad was uh, focused or up my ass about things is the understatement of the year. Um, it was just, it was 100% like, there's no way you're not going to be successful. So there was, uh, a lot of pressure in that way. Um, now, what's interesting is, uh, because of my parents and their backgrounds, they didn't really know how to put pressure on me. It was just, well, you gotta do better in everything. I look for people who wanna do great things. Uh, and it, it sounds very esoteric, but um, that to me is everything. It's not somebody who's got the perfect resume. It's, and I don't mean just uh, the perfect resume of where they went to school and where they worked before. Uh, I'm looking for somebody who comes in and it's like talent, right? Like, do you have a, a very aggressive stance from the way you approach things? And do you have um, a very creative thought process? Rich, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. We've thank you very it. much, sir. Thank you for the knowledge. Thank you.